0: Welcome to Hope Through Hard Stuff, a podcast from Winning at Home. Please welcome your host, speaker, and award-winning author, Steve Norman.
1: Welcome to Hope Through Hard Stuff. My name is Steve Norman, and my guest today is sexual therapy specialist, Sarah Young. Sarah is the wife of one amazing Lance yes. and mother to three. Mm-hmm. Yep. Thanks and for having me back, Steve. Oh, It's so, so good to have you. This is our third conversation. We're talking about sex and intimacy within the context of marriage, and yes. there's... We've covered a lot of ground, but there's still some more to talk about.
0: There is, yes. Unending.
1: <laughs> Sarah, talk to us a little bit about like this the theme that's on your mind for today.
0: You know, so we've talked a lot about God's heart on sexual issues. We've talked about some of the shame that gets in the way. We've talked about some of the messages that people come into this with that make it challenging. And really wanted to spend time today with you just having a chat about some of the different realms of intimacy. And I think within culture we've been a little bit pre-wired to think uh, intimacy equates sex and it's so much bigger than that so I want to spend some time talking about some of those realms and then some of the specifics within the physical realm of intimacy of hey when it comes to us showing up making love connecting what are some things that are that are valuable for us to pay attention to
1: Excellent. Well, let's dive in. Let's talk about the five realms. What are they and what's a good one to dive into first?
0: Okay. So the first one that always comes to mind is the relational realm of intimacy. And let me just give you a heads up on where we're going. There's the relational realm, the emotional realm, the mental realm, the spiritual realm, and the physical realm. But... What plays into that intimacy so, so intensely is definitely that relational component and that's just us being friends um, the the reality of us having inside jokes and being able to laugh together in that sense of, hey, I like you. Um, and I think so many couples lose that in the busyness of life and in the reality of, you know, juggling all the things that that just have to happen. There's just not the time and the space and the intentionality given to the friendship. And that's such a a, a basis for for doing life, doing marriage, doing relationship. Um, So that relational intimacy is a huge component. Do you find that in your marriage with Kelly as well?
1: Absolutely. And there are seasons where you do, you feel like besties through and through. And then there are other seasons where like, I know my spouse loves me, I'm not sure if they like me very much in, yes. in, in this one particular season.
0: Absolutely. And sometimes, it, you know, you are my life partner, but man, there are other people that I see my spouse showing up and being friends with and I, I long for that or I've stopped being interested in that. So the necessity of cultivating that friendship is so huge. And yes, it has everything to do with the bedroom and sexual connection. So that's that's a foundational one that I think is really important.
1: What are some of the ways that you and Lance have fought to kind of cultivate that friendship dynamic, the relational base of this kind of intimacy pyramid?
0: Yeah. So I think there's there's that reality of, I just want to connect with you. I want to be curious about you. There, there's an element of, um, it sounds a little hokey, but there's an element of fascination of, I just like who you are as a person, and I, I'm curious about what makes you tick, and I enjoy the intentionality of pursued interests. And here's something that often surprises people about Lance and I. We've absolutely nothing in common. Nothing. I'm married to somebody who loves to be on skateboards and surfboards and loves to adventure on bikes and camping. And I'm like, let me walk on the beach and read a book. And don't I sound like a, you know... (laughs) A beautiful piece of poetry, but uh, we're so different. He's really people oriented, and I'm, um, I'm quite introverted. I like my space, and so how we are hardwired and what energizes us, what gives us life, what gives us rest, those are very different. Um, but we're still curious about each other and care about what does give the other life and rest and us finding um, space to show up for each other in in those ways even if it's this is so great you get to do this it's it's important just knowing that the other person cares about what you love to do what makes you come alive Um, but then just the conversational piece uh, there that's a that's a component of friendship too I mean you think about when we are dating there's just this endless amount of space and time to listen and ask and talk. And we lose that in the busyness of marriage and kids and life. And that I just want to show up and be next to you and care about what's going on for you. That's, that's a huge component of friendship. And I can lean against you when there's something challenging going on. And I know it matters. So that kind of stuff invests in that I like you mentality and communicates to the other. This is true. I do like you.
1: So good to hear you say that. I remember when Kelly and I were newlyweds, we'd had, you know, you'd hear challenge from older mentor couples who were like, "Oh, it's so important to have a date night," and it and it is, right? But it when we had our kids, and then when we had four kids, it was like we found that like eighty percent of date night was talking about our kids, yeah. And we're like, okay, wait, this is supposed to be about us. But then I can tend to be like a little bit like deep dive into like how are we doing? And right. Where is the relationship? And Kelly's like, can we just be? Yeah. And so like, there's that. There's that spectrum about like what is date night supposed to be? Is it supposed to be like this deep dive like solo therapy thing that we do with each other? Because that can feel a little bit heavy. So much. And that if is it supposed to be like all right, let's let's check, let's do just do a maintenance check on kids and money and calendar, and that feels like businessy. Yeah. And there has to be time and mental space that's carved out to be able to like let's have fun.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: And it feels like if you don't fight for that, it doesn't come on accident.
0: No, it does not. It goes way to the bottom of the priority list. But but you make an important distinction there, because time together, if it's eaten up by all the taskiness, and that's, that actually leads into the next round, which is the mental intimacy. Um, and that has everything to do with schedules and the logistics of doing life and the finances and the parenting and who's taking who where. And I know these things about your life. I know your rhythms. I'm aware of them. I care about them I want to be in partnership rather than competition with you around them if there's space carved us for us to do the business of marriage in that mental intimacy piece and if that can be different or coincide with but not dominate the relational intimacy piece but both are necessary but giving specific attention to both again that's just really important so you bring up something critical there
1: Sarah, you just mentioned partnership with versus competition against. Yes. What are some of the shapes that competition against can take?
0: You know, when couples are having difficulty navigating schedules, and especially if there's a a, a bumping of, well, how do we squeeze in this thing with the in-laws? Or, well, I thought you were taking this task or this project with this particular thing. Um, It can become... um, a priority of me versus a priority of us or one of us feeling abandoned within the logistics of doing life and that just requires good communication, valuing, hey, here's what it's about for me, can I hear what it's about for you and can we both value that about one another. And can we make a decision as a partnership, what will work this time? Not what will work for the duration of the marriage or the parenting, but can we come into this open versus, no, it has to be my way or my stuff is more important than yours because that leads to some power balances that don't feel good and don't feel like they bring alliance and it can just get challenging. So some of it is, is that dedication, that posture internally of I am team us before I am team me and that okay. can prevent a lot of that competitiveness. And again, yes, this has everything to do with the bedroom because how we are interacting outside of it and whether I feel seen, important, valued, like my spouse cares about, all the things friendship with me, doing logistics well with me. That's going to play into how I show up um, when we're intimate.
1: It's interesting that you say that communication is so core because many times we fall into this assumption that communication is facts, communication is content. Mm. But sometimes we talk about what needs to happen, but we don't talk about why it needs to happen or how we make that happen from a logistics perspective. And Mm -hmm. I think that there's it's really helpful to understand that there are a couple kind of layers and dimensions to communication rather than just like, these are the facts. Mm -hmm.
0: Yep. Yep. I think there are those things that we can get lost in, we can spin out in when it comes to topics, when it comes to, well, who's right and who's wrong and whose fault is it? And oh, we can try to die on those hills being right. It's just ultimately not going to get us what we want. There's all that stuff underneath, driving it, how I feel about it you know, what I'm cautious about or hesitant about in it, what I'm really wanting. So if I'm feeling disrespected and I'm just wanting partnership with you, that might show up as, well, I have a little chip on my shoulder because I don't feel like we're in this together.
1: Right. Relational, mental. What's the third one?
0: Oh, emotional. Yes. Emotional intimacy. That goes into just what I was talking about. Uh, So there's the logistics, but then there's well, here's here's what I'm excited about. Here's what I'm dreaming about. Here's what I'm cautious about. Here's what I'm grieving. Here's what I'm longing for. Here's where I'm feeling stuck. And so that truly is those deep heart issues. And that that's a vulnerable place to know and be known because I'm kind of showing you my whole hand when I when I give access to the emotional intimacy in those realms there. Um, and that, that stuff is mine, and my spouse's stuff is his or or hers, and that stuff isn't arguable. And, uh, you know, we can get a little a little muddy as spouses when we try to correct in the emotional realm, well, well you shouldn't feel that way, or that's a silly thing to be afraid of. It's just what is, and, and the heart information is probably pretty different than logical mental information, and, and sometimes I may feel a certain way about something that makes absolutely no sense, but if I can just be next to my spouse and be naked and unashamed with whatever's going on for me and just be known there, man, that can breed connection and attachment and safety in a way that, again, plays into the whole context of, of naked and unashamed.
1: So what do you tell couples who want to engage in emotional intimacy, but maybe one partner is expressing an emotion at a depth of intensity that is frightening to their receiving partner.
0: Absolutely. So I think coming in as um, somebody being with my spouse, that doesn't imply that I have a job in that moment. If my spouse is sharing information with me about their emotions and expecting me to fix it, expecting me to change something, that's going to threaten the, the, the safety of me showing up as a listener. And as a listener, I really want to be able to show up and just care about what's going on for my spouse not take care of so when I as the spouse who's sharing I'm going to you know give access to these pieces of me it's important that I evaluate my my, what my expectations are in sharing this do I have an agenda here to manipulate or coerce or convince because that that's not going to be safe there's got to be a different way to have that conversation I want to go into it just to be known that's what emotional intimacy is about intimacy into me, you see. I had a colleague once say, and it's delightfully cheesy. I love it because sure. it, it says so accurately. I'm letting you see into me. Um, I need to. We talked about it's a conversation with myself. We talked about that in an earlier podcast. That, that's where a lot of this starts. And I need to be cognizant of using this information about me to try to get you to do something because that that's not going to cultivate intimacy. That's going to cultivate some of those things that we don't want, that divisiveness, that competitiveness that might cultivate a sense of resentment. And that's going to threaten our our safety with one another, our ability to be open. And my spouse is not going to be motivated to care about heart information in this emotional realm of intimacy if it's not safe. So how I show up sharing this is going to be a big part of that.
1: So let's say that there's a partner who really does have an emotional path that they need to go down, but they're not necessarily feeling safety from their partner to do that. Sure. When it, When is that sometimes an invitation to maybe consider talking to a counselor or a therapist? So
0: I think if we keep trying to have a conversation and it gets us into a place that's wounding or compromising or unsafe or oh my word, why can't my spouse just hear what I'm saying? That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying and what they're hearing is something totally different. It's like us speaking Russian and Portuguese when we try to have this conversation. Having somebody help us get on the same page, that can be huge. Um, So if we are chronically getting stuck when it comes to a particular topic or a particular realm of communication, man, it's worth, you know, sitting down with a marriage therapist, any of our counselors here at Winning at Home and maybe getting some tools to have a different conversation. Because a lot of times it's not the the content of conversation as much as it is the sequencing of it gotcha. or the safety of it.
1: Right. I, I think that sometimes partners will say like, hey, I'm, I'm expressing this anxiety or this grief or this pain, and I want or need my partner to solve it mm. or to take it away or to hold it. And sometimes. A spouse isn't in a in their a space in their own emotional, psychological, spiritual journey where they're equipped to do that. Right, it doesn't make it their fault. No, it just means that that's where they are, and sometimes that's where having another objective party who can help kind of triangulate all the data points yes. to give us a clearer picture of reality.
0: Yes, absolutely. absolutely. And that's not a
1: sign of weakness. That's a sign of wisdom and strength.
0: Oh, my goodness. It's normal to struggle. What's not necessarily normal is seeking um, a context where I can, we can be scooching toward healthier. And sometimes having a third party present can be really helpful for that. Okay.
1: So that's emotional, spiritual.
0: So there's three components within the the spiritual reality, I think, and you know I'm I'm with Dr. Steve Norman here. So speak to me, please, about what this shows up like for you and Kelly. But so there's me and my relationship with the Lord, my spouse and their relationship with the Lord, and then there's us and our relationship with the Lord. And all three of those realms deserve uh, really intentional investment and journeying. Um, my personal relationship with the Lord that needs to trump my marriage with my spouse every time. That's God's heart. Don't have anybody else before me. Um, So if I'm putting my spouse in God's place, that's always going to get me in trouble. And my spouse can't possibly, possibly fill in that space, right? I'm married to a human who's going to be disappointing every single day, just like I'm disappointing every day. So if I'm counting on my spouse to fill in some of those places, only God can. That's going to lead me. That's going to lead me sideways. Um, So my heart with the Lord, um, that informs how I show up in in all of these realms, period, as well as how I show up in the rest of life. Um, But then, just a curiosity towards yeah, what's going on with my spouse and and God? What is their where where's their journey right now? Where is their doubt? Where is their excitement? Where is their life? Where is God challenging and unleashing my spouse? All of those things. And then there's the us, you know, in in church that's presented as, well, pray together every day, do devotions together. Um, Man, it can be so much more exciting than that. It's not meant to be dry and stale. It's meant to be life-giving and the pulse of our relationship. So intimacy there is very powerful. And this realm of intimacy feeds into that statement that Chris McCluskey once made that, man, Christians have the potential to have the best sex lives on the planet because God has such an active narrative there and wants to speak into their oneness. He wants to be a part of that oneness, like we said in our first podcast, that that Trinity piece of this is the three of us together. Um, we can't have that if we don't have the spiritual intimacy.
1: Sarah, so this is hope through heart stuff. So right. What do you do for couples who are really trying to, Scooch, <laughs> scooch towards God and each other, but have maybe had like a painful church experience. Oh, because man. like a community of worship is, can, can really come alongside a couple in a marriage and help them thrive.
0: They can also be really wounding.
1: And sometimes individuals will get wounded by the church, but sometimes the couple will get wounded by not just yeah. like a small C church, but what feels like the big C church. So what do you tell all those couples who are like, we love each other. We love the Lord. We want to take a next step. But X, Y, and Z didn't go well at our last faith community. And oh, we're yeah. really skittish about starting over.
0: Yeah. I would say I don't know if it necessarily has as much to do with church as it has to do with the heart of our Creator. Right. And God is not bound by humans in a building. And I I think he gets it. You know, we look all over the New Testament and some of those churches were
1: deeply dysfunctional Uh,
0: thank you yes (laughs) so that's not anything new to him and i think he is he's big enough to be in those places of hurt and rejection and pain and grieving and um you know so even couples having uh, openness and curiosity to talk about that with one another to talk to another couple outside of their faith experience to wrestle in difficult realms with safe people outside of that outside of that toxic community and to just be, be be able to heal. And maybe there is a season of I need I just need some some space here and maybe my spouse for whatever reason isn't interested in pursuing that spiritual intimacy for this season. I, I can still be praying for them from the sidelines because God and I we we can be doing our thing and he that's the beauty of of god is that i know he's always got an eye on my spouse even when there are places i can't access um yeah so there's the waiting well within that
1: no that's good and i think one of the things that i've i've seen a couple that i know do is to be able to say like hey let's just let's if we're wounded let's yep. take eight weeks and catch our breath and then we're gonna visit place x see I and love then that. we're gonna we'll try that for two weeks yep. and then we'll visit place y and we'll try mm-hmm. that for two weeks but to be able to say I had a friend once who was going through um, chemotherapy, and she said she had a great nurse who said, for 15 minutes, you can complain about how hard your life is, and then we're going to get to work. Yes. And I and I love it to be able to say, there's space to say, there's, all right, this is frustrating. This part isn't going well. Yep. And um, now we're going to get back to work.
0: Yeah. So there's a, there's a containment to it that can be really helpful.
1: Okay. So the last one.
0: Yeah, let's talk about physical intimacy. and. Uh, surprisingly, I don't want to say this is at the bottom of the list, but okay. man, when there is connection, safety, openness, and curiosity in those other four, in the relational, the mental, the emotional, and the spiritual, sometimes the physical just feels like a, a, a byproduct. It just it, it comes from such an authentic place because we, we don't have to try so hard to fabricate it. A lot of times people get this backwards with intimacy and think, okay, we launch into connection from the physical place. That can be sometimes. To make that the number one strategy to cultivate intimacy, that's not sustainable. Um, But, okay, so when we talk about physical intimacy, we're talking about the whole realm of things, everything from affection all the way to the other end of the spectrum of sexual connection. We want to be able to pay attention to the entire continuum because physical affection certainly doesn't always lead to sex um, and uh, is a necessary piece of just hey i see you Um, so that can be touch points throughout the day i'm putting my hand on my shoulder when i'm on my way into the kitchen kisses on the cheek hugs that don't involve sex parts um, you know just just that rhythm of us engaging physically um, and, and showing affection it's such a great thing Non-sexual touch affirms that it's another language of affirming that, hey, I, I see you. You matter to me. I just, just like to be connected with you. And some of us are really touchy-feely people, and some of us are not. Some of us have 15-foot space bubbles and just aren't <laughs> the initiators of physical affection. And, and that's okay, but again, it's the intentionality of what, what's what's important to my spouse, and that doesn't mean suddenly that's my to-do list, but it does mean it's valuable information that that warrants paying attention to. Um, the sexual connection piece is, is, a, is a part of that too, but the whole spectrum of physical connection. That's a great place that needs investment.
1: Great. So what are some other kind of thoughts or areas that are connected to this, that this kind of conversation helps us jump into?
0: I think when we have an accurate understanding of, okay, intimacy entails all of these things, then we can have a different conversation about, okay, so when we do get to the sexual connection part, what, what, what's important to be paying attention to? Because again, when, uh, Relationally, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, and, and physically, there's investment and attention given. Um, it, it sets us up to be just more fully known. I'm showing up as a three-dimensional person in the bedroom, not with my body. Intentionality in those realms outside the bedroom just makes it easier to, to, to show up and be naked and, and unashamed. So we talked about some sexual myths and you know, just coming back to, to one of those. One um, is that, you know, uh, men will always show up this way, women will always show up this way, and we kind of debunked with, with some things just scratching the surface of those, but how that that's not always the case. Um, there are some things applicable to, to both that are that are really important. That three-dimensional experience is, is really key, not just for, for women, but for men, too. You know, the... Oftentimes the, the literature will tell us like yeah, men showing up, the physical release is what they're after. That's not necessarily true at all. Um, this is a, a whole experience for, for husbands as well. And so for wives to, to embrace that narrative, that's very different than um, often what we're told that, you know, men just need release. And that's such a small way of looking at it. Husbands are often craving emotional connection just as much as wives.
1: Sarah, thanks so much for your time today. Appreciate the conversation and can't wait for you to join us again.
0: Thank you, Steve.
1: You've been listening to Hope Through the Hard Stuff, a podcast of Winning at Home. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next time.
0: Thanks for listening to Hope Through the Hard Stuff. If you liked what you heard, please remember to subscribe to it, rate and review it, and then share it with others. Winning at Home offers hope through counseling and coaching, motivational speaking, community events, and other media resources.
1: If you believe in what we do and want to support us in our mission, consider making a donation at winningathome.com.